Thanks for listening. This is Brian Hurley from Business Performance Improvement. The podcast Lean Six Sigma Bursts are short lessons, comments, Q&A, and insights. If you have a question, send your question through the Anchor app, and we might feature you on a future episode. Or contact me at biz-pi.com. In this podcast, I'd like to talk about small improvements that can really add up. I've got a water cooler in our house, um, but it was starting to run a little slow. And I feel like I was sitting there waiting for it to fill up my glass with water. So what we did was we tried to take it apart and fix it by cleaning out and clearing out the lines. And long story short, it was kind of old and it ended up breaking. So decided let's get a new one, something just simpler, not as complicated. It was just for dispensing like room temperature water. So you get those big blue jugs and you place it on the ceramic dispenser upside down and then just put your cup under it and there's a little spout on it. With the new one we got, it was still kind of running slow again and, and it felt like there was a little faster speed. So I thought that you know the original problem was to try to fix you know why it's taking so long and end up creating these other issues. So um, I was a little bit disappointed. And then one time I, I flipped the switch the opposite direction and I pushed down on it where it, and if you flip up, it'll lock it in place and it will water will run until you stop it. And if you flip down, it'll also lock in place, but it's not, I think the natural way to do it. Long story short, it seemed to go a little faster. Like I could sense that the water was coming out quicker. So of course I always want to verify that and say, this sounds like uh, intuition and gut feel. Let's put some data to it. So I took a sample and I timed how long it took to fill up a glass. And it took about six or seven seconds with the, the, the new way that I found. And then I went and did it the old way. And a surprise, it took almost 16, 17 seconds to fill up the cup. Pretty obvious that that's faster to do it this other way, but there was no mention of that in the instructions or maybe we overlooked it. Um, so that was a great little savings, 10 seconds every time you fill up a cup. Now the statistics mind in me says, well, is that statistically valid? You know, I only have one sample on each. What if that was a fluke? What was, what if those numbers don't hold up? So how much data do we need to collect? Do I need to take 30 samples? That's what we typically recommend for a a real thorough study. So you can study the distribution patterns of the data, but working in aerospace many years, I realized you don't get the luxury of getting 30 samples a lot. So I had to learn a lot around small samples. And so for this example, I thought this would be cool to just keep running the test until I saw statistical significance. And the test we will run is a two sample t-test. And so how many samples do we need to prove that? Well, it depends. So it depends on how consistent the measurements are in each sample. So one sample would be flipping it down and measuring how long it takes to fill up the cup. And the other sample would be flipping it upwards and measuring the time. So if they're identical results each time, it won't take very many data points because the consistency in the numbers is very tight. And also what affects how many samples is how spread out the data is. So if you're talking about a difference of one second, we would need a lot more data because they're very close to each other. But for 10 seconds, we might not mean very much data because there's, they're quite a ways apart from each other. So how far apart the data measurements are and how consistent the results are goes into determining how many samples you actually need. That's a whole nother discussion around calculating sample sizes, but those are the things you'll need to know if you want to do those kind of calculations. So when you get to running the statistical test, I said, well, I at least need two data points. 
because I can't even calculate a standard deviation on one sample. So I know a minimum I need two data points. So that's what I did. I ran the study a second time. And before I give you the results, um, I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, Creative Safety Supply. Um, they're a great resource for free guides, infographics, and continuous improvement tools. Start with their 5S guide um, if you're interested. It includes a breakdown of the five pillars, ways you can begin implementing 5S, and even organization tips and color charts. So from red tags or floor markings, it's all in there at their site. And you can download this guide for free at creativesafetysupply.com slash 5S. Now, because the data was, is, was consistent and there was a big difference there, uh, most people wouldn't really assume that they have to run a statistical test or hypothesis test. Uh, the best way to run this one is a two-sample t-test, and that's comparing two groups to each other, two samples, and doing a statistical comparison to see how many standard deviations apart are those two averages. And if they're far enough apart, then it says the odds of this happening by chance or luck is pretty rare. It must be because these two different groups are different in some way. But that assumes that the data is a normal distribution. And so we don't really know what the distribution of data is because I have one data point. But we can make some assumptions and say, let's assume it's not a normal distribution. And what would we do then? Well, we'd run a Mann-Whitney test or some other non-parametric test that would check comparisons between medians. There's less um, criteria to run some of those tests. So that's a better way we might do it is just to assume it's not a normal distribution on that data and do a Mann-Whitney test and see if the medians are different. With this type of data, when you're measuring cycle time, I often find that the data is not a normal distribution. It's actually, it looks like it, but it's kind of a skewed distribution where the, the longer times kind of tail off to the upper side. It, it ends up being more like a skewed distribution. I'm assuming that's probably what we would expect, but that's usually why you've heard the assumption to collect 30 data points. Because after 30 data points, it starts to give you a nice picture of the distribution shape of that data. And then we can use the appropriate statistical test to, to apply for that um, analysis. So if I made that assumption that it's probably non-normal, then we're gonna use a Mann-Whitney test. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna look at both just in case. With Minitab and other statistical software, this part is pretty simple. You can run these tests over and over again, lots of different ways. So with the two samples, I got very similar results, but it wasn't enough data for um, the two sample t-test or the Mann-Whitney test to see a statistically valid difference. It's getting close though. Our p-values were getting pretty low, but it was still above 0.05. When you drop below 0.05, then it says you have statistical evidence that the two groups are different. So with a third sample, then we got very similar results. I think I got a six, six, and seven for one group and a 16, 19, and 16 for the other group. So with three samples, it did come up statistically valid for the two sample t-test. However, that was with the assumption that the data is normal distribution. On the Mann-Whitney test comparing medians, that was not quite statistically valid. So, but it's getting close. It's almost below 0 0.05, but not quite. So I think that fourth sample will be helpful. So I, I, I ran it a fourth time. And I, again, I got a six seconds for the, the fast time and another 16 seconds on the low time, the slower time. 
And that came up statistically significant for both the two sample t-test and the Mann-Whitney test. So not only can I say, it seems like this is a faster method. I have statistical evidence now to say this is real. So then I told everyone else living in the house that this is the way to fill up your glass is to push the lever down, not up. So why do we care? So who, who cares about this? And wow, you saved 10 seconds, big deal. But actually, this is a really important part of lean improvements is that those little improvements add up. So let's let's play this out over a whole year. So if I have 10 seconds of savings every time I fill up the class with the new method, and I do that, let's say once a day, so 365 times a year, that's 3,650 seconds of time savings each year, divide by 60 minutes in a, or 60 seconds in a minute, and that's about 60 minutes a year, so about an hour. So that means if I hadn't learned this method, I would have, over the course of a year, wasted an additional hour standing there waiting for my water to fill up. And there's really nothing else you can do during that time. You can't really even open up your phone and multitask or something. So it's a complete waste of time. And over your lifetime, that's that adds up. I'd like to have a couple more hours back. So these things can make a difference and you do that on little improvements every day. And those things, now you're, you're saving hours a year or days a year or even weeks in a year. That's, that's a, a really impressive. So don't overlook these little small things. In fact, I'd done a, a study where I switched the door on the fridge to open up the opposite direction. So it opened up on the left, but I had to go, in, but it was leaned up against the left side of the wall. So I had to kind of reach around and pull back and then step backwards and then open up the door to see what's inside. Just flipping it to the right side, I think I saved two seconds. But I opened the door five, 10 times a day. And when I did the math on that, it was like another hour of savings. So it took me about an hour to switch the door. I get that hour back in the first year and then going forward every year after, that's a you know time savings that you capture. And so those little things are really important for any kind of improvements. Don't overlook them. Little seconds of improvement add up. Um, if you follow Paul Akers, he talks a lot about two-second lean. And look to save two seconds in your day. And those things will add up to big improvements. Because when you're striving for just little improvements, you'll accidentally stumble upon some big ones. So I hope that was helpful and interesting to you. If you have questions or ideas, reach out to me. You can also submit questions or uh, topics you'd like me to talk about through the Spotify app. And I uh, appreciate you listening. Thanks. LeanSixSigmaDefinition.com has a list of glossary items about popular process improvement terms, along with a history of Lean and Six Sigma methods, and key influencers like Dr. Edward Stemming, Henry Ford, Taichi Ono, Shigeo Shingo, and many more. You can also learn how to access affordable Lean and Six Sigma training and certification. Visit LeanSixSigmaDefinition.com.